0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about one of our newest podcasts, Ringer FC. Each week, Chris Ryan, Ryan O'Hanlon, Micah Peters, and various Ringer staff members will be discussing everything happening in the world of soccer. From the Premier League to the state of the game in America, let our soccer experts guide you along ahead of the 2018 FIFA World Cup. So make sure to subscribe and listen to Ringer FC wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Ringer MLB Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Ben Lindbergh. I'm a staff writer for TheRinger.com, and so is my colleague and co-host in Houston, but fortunately still safe, still dry. And joining me, as always, on the podcast, it's Michael Bauman. Hello, Michael. Hello. How are you? I'm, as you
1: said, safe and dry. Uh, Yes, happy to hear it. Yeah, and uh, the Astros are coming back this weekend, which Mm -hmm. is a little bit surprising, but encouraging that they feel like they can... Get Minute Maid Park set up. So I'll be going there this weekend writing about it. And uh, yeah, that, that'll, that'll be a unique experience, I, I imagine.
0: Yes, I would think so. It is, well, it's unique to Houston in this case, but not unique in that the return of baseball or just sports in general to any devastated area is always, it seems like a very emotional and cathartic thing for a lot of people, which is great. Obviously, I experienced that in New York after September 11th when baseball resumed again, and that's still something that I think a lot of people look back on as a special moment in their baseball watching career. So I hope it has the same sort of effect for some people in Houston. And obviously, baseball has long been a thing that can help people get through tough times, at least emotionally speaking. So it is nice that baseball's back.
1: Yeah, Mike Sosha had some interesting comments to that effect, you know, making the distinction between what keeps us alive and what we live for. Right. And, you know, it's, there's going to be, you know, everybody who covers this event is going to have some line about how baseball doesn't seem important right now. And it's not, yes. you know, and it's not, but mm-hmm. you know, there, it's nice to have something beyond like the bare minimum of subsistence to, to mm-hmm. aspire to. So, you know, right. I, I think a lot of people are, Those who are lucky enough not to be completely wiped out by the flooding are probably looking forward to things getting gradually more normal. So Mm -hmm. I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be everything is gonna be kind of weird around here for I imagine the next few months. So Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad they're they're coming back. There was some talk about how they might have to stay in Tampa for this Mets series. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but yeah, it's it's good news.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we have uh, some some prop bets some prop bets planned, but before we get to those, we have a couple things we want to talk about. And the first one, of course, is a move made by Jerry Depoto. And at this point, our Twitter mentions, I think, are the most reliable I, indicator of whether the Mariners I have went made a move all day.
1: Not knowing who the Mariners gave up because my <laughs> my feed was just people yelling at me for getting the song stuck in their head.
0: Yeah, I don't have to go to. MLB trade rumors anymore to see what the Mariners are doing. It's just the second there is a Jerry DiPoto trade, we hear about it. And it seems like it's an equal mix of people who are happy that they get to hear the song and are dreading that they have to hear the song. But for both of those people, we have no choice but to cue up the song.
1: Hit it! What did Jerry DiPoto do? What did Jerry DiPoto do? We're going to talk to Meg Rowley about a trade or two. What did Jerry DePoto do? What did Jerry DePoto do? What did Jerry DePoto do? We're gonna talk to Meg Rally about a trade or two. Is what did Jerry DePoto do?
0: Alright, so Jerry DePoto's latest transaction, actually a, a pretty high profile one by the standards of recent Jerry DePoto transactions. He has traded for starter Mike Leak from the St. Louis Cardinals, and this is largely a, a salary dump sort of move. There are other components in the deal, too, in that the Mariners also acquired some international bonus money. They gave up a fairly low-level prospect, and they got a bunch of salary relief, $17 million worth from the Cardinals, which made this more palatable. But this is just a, a, an attempt to shore up a rotation that has been among the worst in baseball this year, maybe the worst in baseball recently, and has been devastated by injuries, and Mike Leake is the kind of guy... You're just really happy to have at a time like this when you just have no one to start because Mike Leake will start baseball games. That is one thing that he will consistently do.
1: Yeah. So before we started recording, uh, Meg Rowley uh, challenged me to name as many of the 37 pitchers the the Mariners have used this year as I could. I got to 12 before I ran out of gas and then went back and looked and didn't feel that bad about it. Like they were only like, (laughs) I would only expect to know about like, 14 or 15 uh, of the 37, which is just an enormous number. But yeah, Yeah. legal start. He's been about an average pitcher this year. And unless you're really, really attached to Raider Ascanio, Mm -hmm. they essentially bought him for three years and $36 million. And that seems like a bargain for a league average pitcher. So, you know, obviously the, he's, he's had, he's been the second worst pitcher in baseball. Since the, the all star break. So obviously Mm -hmm. this is, there's an element to the Cardinals sort of dumping a slightly risky position, but the Mariners are in dire need of pitching just, and even somebody who can just go out there and give you six innings and three earned runs. Right. So and you know, if if this works out, then they got him under under contract for another couple of years. So I think yeah. this is a very low risk move. All the risking is money. So
0: yeah. Yeah. The sinker speed has been down and the results have been down. But if you look over the course of his career, Leek has to have been one of the most consistent pitchers over the course of his career just looking at, for instance, his XFIP, which I know is a wonky sounding stat, but it tries to strip out some of the luck and look at only the factors that pitchers are responsible for. And he's been between 3.5 and 4 every single full season of his career. So that is basically what Mike Leake is, or at least what a healthy Mike Leake is. And he doesn't really go deep into games. So he doesn't have huge innings totals, but he rarely misses a start. He's had. 30 or more starts in each of the past five seasons, and we'll probably get there again, barring a problem down the yeah. stretch. So this is exactly what the Mariners needed, which is not really a situation that you want to be in, but it is where they are and not a surprise. Jerry Depoto did something.
1: One thing I've, I haven't i have seen discussed is this is the first time league's going to play in the American League. That's which, true. And he's probably more than any other pitcher in baseball derives a lot of his value from his hitting and his defense. I think there was yeah. one year Famously, where he was more valuable as a a hitter and a defender than he was strictly as a pitcher. So, Uh you know, maybe maybe he is actually less valuable to the Mariners than he would have been to uh, a National League team. But yeah, that could be. I guess they just got to make sure they start him in. Well, I guess they'd probably be on the road for the World Series, so you got to start him in Game two or six. Right. It, when it, when the, the Mariners <laughs> inevitably make right. the World Series after this.
0: Yes, of course, this will be the move that propels them all the way.
1: Yeah. All right. Speaking of of good hitting pitchers, uh, JD Davis took the mound on Tuesday night. <laughs> well, I feel like I've talked about this a lot, just sort of with strangers uh, on on the street, <laughs> you know, with like yeah. servers and and uh, and cashiers and the like. But excuse I don't know if me, I broke... sir. Have yeah. you heard
0: about JD Davis?
1: Have you heard about well, specifically? Have you heard about how the Astros went on a huge binge of two way college players and JD mm-hmm. Davis? is filling in a third base while Colin Moran and, and Carlos Correa are hurt. And uh, he was a closer at Cal State Fullerton, which is the alma mater of uh, a bunch of pitchers I love, including two of our former podcast guests, uh, Chris Stavinsky and Michael Lorenzen. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was pretty good. And the the Astros broadcasting team, Todd Callison, another former podcast guest, uh, Jeff Blum, appeared to be unaware that he had pitched in college. Uh. And, and it was... Like it was like one of those viral videos where they put an athlete in makeup and then just send him to play like the the Greg Maddox throwing batting practice to Chris Bryant video. This is like that in real life. Because JD Davis comes out there throwing 89 92 and locating and shaking off, or no, he wasn't shaking off Evan Gaddis. Gaddis called for a curveball on the last pitch of, of the inning to Shinsu Chu, and he made Shinsu Chu look absolutely idiotic on, on a uh, two strike curveball to, to end the inning. So it was. I don't know. In the, the grand scheme of position player pitching is, it, in so far as JD Davis even counts as a, a position player pitching. It's definitely on the Wilson Valdez, uh, Casper Wells end as opposed to the, the mm-hmm. Carlos Rees end. So yeah. that, that was a lot of fun. That was about as much fun as, as I've had <laughs> watching and, and Kevin Plowiecki was, uh, was pitching at the same time. So I had double decker position player pitching action, uh, going on the, the TV and the laptop on Tuesday night. So mm-hmm. it's. I I hope we see more of this. He was good. I don't know if he's like good enough to be more than sort of what we talked about with Russell, sort of that that Chris Jimenez type of, you know, mop up guy. But yeah, that plays.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I forgive Callison Blum for not knowing about his past because I sympathize with anyone who is ignorant about college baseball. But yeah, this was fun. And I wonder, I guess he is. He hit fairly well in the minors, right? He's just been up in Houston for a, a brief time and hasn't mm-hmm. hit yet. But he's not like a guy who you would think of as a, a possible conversion candidate, right? I mean, he he's a solid prospect just as a position player. As a third so this baseman, be, yeah, he's fine. Yeah, he's not, more of a, a sideline for him.
1: Yeah, it's like this is not like AJ Reed who is, is mm-hmm. uh, racking up evidence that he can't handle high level pitching, right? Yeah, it's career 862 OPS in the minors, so. And he's hit it pretty much every level.
0: All right. Well, we'll add him to the roles of players we will one day have on the podcast to talk about becoming a two-way player. Five or six different boxes. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's true.
1: All right. Anything else? Indians owner Paul Dolan is Mm. in the news uh, because he's talking about... How the Cleveland organization and the, uh, and Major League Baseball are not exactly on the same page regarding Chief Wahoo. And, you know, what you said before about how probably everybody who listens to this podcast either agrees with us on, on the issue of Chief Wahoo or isn't going to be persuaded. So I'll just, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of keep this brief. It's, it's staggering to me that we didn't look at this. I don't know, whenever we became aware of, like, you don't have to be like Mr. Intersectionality to look at that and think, yeah, it's not great. We mm-hmm. should, we sh- probably shouldn't keep using this logo. And yes. just the the degree to which people got affected, like, it's two things are astounding to me about this. One is the degree to which people are clinging to this. And and two, like, that we care more about hurting the feelings of the people who are, You know, it's okay to give up something that you grew up with because it's, you know, because it's massively insulting to, to a group of people who have been insulted and much, much worse throughout American history. And MLB, it, the, the time has come and gone for MLB to step in and say, you know what? You should probably change the name too, but at the very least, you should change the, uh, change the logo because. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's I mean, this is Rob Manfred, the great open to anything guy. I don't know how, you know, how naturally constituted he is to tell an owner to just knock it off. But mm-hmm. this, I mean, this is a and, and Dolan said something like we may live in a little, a little bit of a bubble. Right. I'm, I'm you quoting can kind of
0: tell this. that Dolan, I don't know whether he has already come to terms with the fact that this has to change and he is just kind of uh, trying to placate the fan base a little bit or it, it sounds like it's a kind of a holding action that he understands is is not going to to succeed in the long run but I think the logo's days are are numbered and probably not numbered very high yeah. just because I think sentiment has swung that way. I know that Cleveland has an all-star game coming up in a couple of years, right? And that was mentioned in the story you sent me about how you might not want this to be present at a showcase event. So. It seems to me that one of these years, it's definitely receded in prominence. And- well,
1: we uh, we thought that you know they went to the block C a few years ago, right. made that their primary logo, and then they wore the Chief Wahoo hats I think every single game of the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. So you know we have sort of gone backwards, and you know it's time for the only authority for that has the the ability to tell you know the Cleveland organization to to knock it off as Major League Baseball. And you know what? Like the overwhelming majority of people are either overwhelmingly in, in favor of getting rid of the of the logo or don't care. So, yeah. you know, let people who want to cling to this, who value being able to wear this offensive symbol over the the feelings of people it offends, you know, let them make that statement on their own without the tacit approval of Major League Baseball. So anyway, I've already talked more than I said I would about this. So we (laughs)
0: can we can move on. It's a logo. People will adjust when it goes away. And I will say when, not if. Yeah. All right. So in the preseason we did a prop bets podcast. You came up with some brilliant over-unders. I have oh, brilliant. Not, That's really nice. Yeah, no, I, I think they are. You have a knack for this. And I have not gone back to to review my answers or either of our answers to those because I'm sure that many of them were way off base. But yeah, it's something that we wanted to do with just a little more than a month left in the season. You've come up with a new batch of prop bets, 15 of them mm-hmm. for the stretch run. And I yeah. have already seen these and agonized over them. So you have set the over-unders at the right place for a lot of these because I, 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 I'm yeah, still I, just... I was,
1: I was sort of making a... For some of the, the pre-seasons ones, I was like sort of making a statement one way or another. But for these, I just tried to go straight down the middle. I actually, as I'm looking at this right now, I don't know which side I fall on. Yeah. on most of them. Yeah, so 14 of these are going to be wrapped up by... I don't think there's any awards one, but mm-hmm. they're going to be wrapped up by the end of the regular season. And one has to do with the playoffs. So we're keeping it open in case we run out of ideas again before the end <laughs> of October. We can, we can do this again for, you know, for the playoffs of the world series. So sure. I'm ready to go whenever you are.
0: All right. Yeah. Hit me.
1: All right. So the first one, the second AL wild card, the. I believe the all time lowest win total that's ever gotten in on the second wild card is the Astros in 2015 with 86 wins. Will the second AL wild card have more wins than 86 or fewer wins?
0: I'm going to say fewer, I think. Right now, at least, there are currently what the twins as we speak have that wild card spot and are on pace I think for 84 mm-hmm. and if you look at full season projections say on fan graphs they don't have any of the the second wild card winning candidates above 83 now obviously when you have a handful of teams all bunched together here it is likely that one of them at least will have a hot month or so just by chance. And so someone certainly could top it, but man, so many of these teams, all of these teams are just so deeply mediocre. (laughs) 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 I, I I mean, bad teams and mediocre teams go on crazy runs all the time. So it's maybe maybe statistically if you say, well, no one of these teams is likely to do it, but Take the field, and one of them is. But I'm just getting into the spirit of the mediocrity of this race, and I'm going to say that no one gets there.
1: Well, <laughs> embrace the mediocrity. We should get <laughs> T-shirts made about that. I'm, I'm actually going where I fall is exactly your devil's advocate ar- argument that yeah, I don't. Right. I wouldn't bet on any one of these teams to get over eight, even 84 wins, but with seven of them, I somebody's yeah. going to go 20 and 10 down the down the last 30 games and, and hit 86 or more.
0: Yeah, eighty six sounds plausible, but somehow when you raise it to eighty seven, suddenly <laughs> <way> I can't <laughs> can't imagine any of these teams as an eighty seven yeah. win team. <laughs> wow,
1: <laughs> you know, you think and and even then, like ordinarily the the threshold is between eighty eight to ninety, and yeah. you're like you're just looking.
0: <laughs> the twins? Like it's pretty bleak. And yeah. It doesn't really bother me that much. Like, I'm I'm happy that we have this race. I know that some people don't like the fact that one of these teams is going to make the quote unquote playoffs without actually being all that great at baseball. But to me, I don't mind. We're lucky that we have this race because so many maybe all of the division races seem pretty sewn up at this point so i'm happy to have this wild card race even though it involves a bunch of teams that i would not think of as playoff caliber in most prior years
1: yeah, it would bother me a little bit if the Yankees were the O two A's and on pace to finish second in their division with a hundred, a uh, hundred two right. wins. Yeah. But you know they're on pace for eighty six wins right now too. So yeah. yeah, it's not like one of these teams is has the potential to knock out an all time great team. And you know this is it's just a huge pile of crap. But it's mm-hmm. but p- huge piles of crap can be fun. Like yeah, baseball gets so much more enjoyable when you like embrace the places where it isn't all that good so mm-hmm. all right next question which will be greater by season's end John Carlos Stanton's home run total or Billy Hamilton's stolen base total
0: yeah so as we record I think Hamilton has a lead of three he yes. has three more stolen bases than Stanton has home runs I'm going to say that he maintains some lead. I'm going to say he ends up with more steals than Stanton has home runs. On the one hand, Stanton is chasing maybe more historically meaningful milestones, and so he... Won't get a lot of time off. The Marlins are kind of on the fringes of contention, so they'll be playing him. Hamilton, maybe there's less incentive for that. I suppose he is chasing the all time Reds record for stolen bases, which is 81 if you go back to Bob Besker in 1911, or 80 if you go back to Eric Davis in more modern times. So that's probably unattainable, probably about as unattainable as some kind of home run record is for Stanton. But I'm gonna say that Hamilton ends up with this thing.
1: I'm gonna say Stanton gets there. I, all right. I, I I sort of believe in Stanton's hot hand right now. I mean, how can mm-hmm. you not to a certain extent? And there's I mean, stolen bases are like you have to go out and well, first of all, in Billy Hamilton's case, you have to get on base, which is yes. harder than uh, for him than it is for a lot of other ballplayers. But you have to expend a lot of effort to to steal a base. So you know, it's with the Reds being. Thirty thousand games out of first place right now i don't you know I don't know how motivated everybody is to sort of lay it out all, all on the line and he, you know if he were chasing something, then maybe I'd give him a shot, but I think Stanton catches him.
0: Not excited about the all-time franchise record for stolen bases, huh? I
1: don't think he's... I mean, I, <laughs> no. you said the all-time red franchise record for stolen bases in a tone of voice that sounded like you <laughs> expected me to know who held it, and I had a moment of panic. Um,
0: <laughs> no, it's not a, a storied record in sports. No,
1: I, I wrote about his potential to get to like 100 steals earlier in the season. and, and I hope just, he gets
0: there one of these years, because
1: be, that's, so I, that's I, I always love, what we said I about I love Stan. high stolen base totals.
0: Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. It's like these two guys have these outlier skills, Stanton with his hard hitting. Well, he doesn't hit the ball quite as hard these days, which seems to be benefiting him, but he certainly hits home runs and that and Hamilton speed have been two of the most engaging, fascinating skills that any players have had in baseball over the last several years. And we've been waiting for the big Stanton year when he'd finally be healthy and, and challenge some sort of records. And now we're finally getting it. And Hamilton it never quite has panned out. And, Partially that's because, as you mentioned, he just doesn't get on base enough to challenge any kind of records. But I'm hoping that there will just be one year where he does get on base often enough and he goes crazy, but it gets less likely the older he grows.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's move on. So the Dodgers over under 112 wins. Yeah. And this I was going to put the over under on the uh the all time or sorry, not the all time, the modern National League single season wins record, which is the 75 Reds and the 86 Mets at 108. But they only need to go 17 and 13 uh in their <laughs> in their last 30 games to get there. So uh that's probably a lock right now.
0: Yeah. So they are playing at what 113 win pace as we speak and they're getting kershaw back they're getting mccarthy back but i'm gonna say no i'm gonna say they don't quite make it i just think that a they'd have zero incentive to win as many games as they possibly can, which doesn't really seem to matter. They lost Kershaw and started winning even more. So I don't know if there's anything this team can do. And they're still (laughs) on this
1: pace while finding ways to lose Rich Hill starts in bizarre fashion.
0: Yeah. So not that I expect the bottom to fall out or anything, but when a team is playing at this kind of crazy pace, it doesn't take much to fall off from that pace. So I'm going to say they fall just short. I think they rest some people as a postseason approaches and maybe they just don't quite get there.
1: Yeah, I, I think we're in agreement for the first time. Uh, okay. I think I think they end up around 110 and yeah. all these teams that like these teams that, that start out on, I mean, start out, it's this, the show's going up on August 31st, but they, they go out on this, this breakneck pace, usually have like one really crappy week in them. And I don't know if that's happened yet for the Dodgers. So, you know, they go four and three one week and, and mm-hmm. that that's the end of it. So they're not going like whatever it was, like 43 and seven, right. like they did over June and July anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Speaking of another team that got out to a hot start, will the Astros be the top seed in the American League? This was something that I was counting on up until I don't know, about a month ago. And now mm-hmm. the Astros, who... Are at this moment losing to the Rangers, are four and a half games up on the Red Sox, mm-hmm. and three and a half games up on Cleveland. So, yeah. either one of those teams could catch him.
0: Right, yeah. Yeah, at the beginning of the season, it seemed like the Astros were the team that everyone was talking about as potentially historic. And they have come back to the pack somewhat, while the Dodgers, who at that point didn't look like some kind of all-time team, have turned into one. So... I'm going to say that they don't lose this lead. I think Korea will be coming back at some point. I think they are just as good a team as either of the closest teams trailing them, if not a better team. So if we were talking about like Cleveland and Boston in the same division and saying, would they make up the ground on the Astros in the division race? I would say, no, that's a lot of ground to make up in one month. So. My answer is the same here too. I I don't think that they will lose that lead, although it's gotten a lot closer than it looked like it would be at one point.
1: Yeah, I was with you until very recently, but I'm I've switched sides. I I think they're going to get caught. They're nineteen wow. and twenty three since the break, mm. and with just you can forgive them for being yeah you know, a little bit distracted. They they didn't play well on Tuesday night, and uh, they obviously have bigger things going on uh, than baseball right now, but. It, they just, I mean, they've been dealing with injuries and, you know, Lance McCullers have been out. Correa has been out. And, you know, those guys are, are sensibly going to come back from the playoffs, but Dallas Keuchel struggled off and on. The, the Rangers hit him pretty hard second time through the order, uh, on Wednesday night as we're recording this. So yeah, I think they're going to get caught. I still think they're going to regret not making a move for, for another starting pitcher at the, at the deadline.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you have a team that you're picking to overtake them, Boston or Cleveland?
1: I don't know I think uh we're <laughs> gonna talk about Boston a, a little more it's It's hard for me to look at those two teams and say that Boston isn't more talented, mm-hmm. but I kind of like Cleveland a little bit better like yeah. and you know and they're a game closer right now anyway i yeah I just I would probably. I would probably pick Cleveland, uh, given the the choice yeah. between them and Boston, they but it's played close.
0: great this month for whatever um, that's worth, but yes.
1: All right. Speaking of, oh, we're going to talk about Boston right now. Did, does David Price pitch in, in the majors again before the playoffs?
0: Yeah. So the latest on him was that he threw off a mound on Wednesday, threw 20 pitches, just fastballs. And this was the first time he had done that in more than a month, I think, which is when he made his last start. So... There's still no timetable or anything. It it seems pretty sketchy. I'm going to say yes. I'll say he makes it back just because you know they'll want to see what they have, if they have anything. I don't know whether they would trust him with postseason starts at this point. I know plenty of people on Twitter would not trust him with postseason starts, even if his elbow was healthy. Not that I'm in that camp, but I... Think they'll probably just want to throw him out there just to see, right? Like, I guess you can see in a rehab start, you could see in a bullpen session, but it's never exactly the same. And of course, he does have that history early in his career of pitching out of the bullpen in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So that's an option. Maybe they would want to see if they could get anything out of him in that role. And We know early in the season, I guess, he was maybe not totally forthcoming about the injury issues immediately. There's always the possibility that he could make it seem as if he's healthier than he actually is just because he really wants to be out there. So I'm going to say, yes, he makes it back at least for some kind of mop up outing at some point just to see if there's anything there.
1: I'm gonna say no, and I think that that bullpen option is the only way it's close. I don't think he's. I mean, just from what I read that John Farrell was talking about the length of the ideal rehab that they'd want him to go under. I just and with the the minor league season ending uh, next yeah. week, it's it's going to be harder to get him competitive innings. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't I don't think he comes back before the end of the season. It's not to say he doesn't. Help in the playoffs in some capacity at some point. But, you know, I think that'll happen, but I don't think he comes back before the end of the year.
0: Yeah, to me, the minor league season being over, if anything, makes it more likely that maybe he could get some major league time in just because it's the only option. If you really want to see him in a game situation, I don't know. And if there is... Even a chance that he could pitch in the postseason, you'd never really like to throw a guy out there in that situation who hasn't really pitched since the start of the second half in a competitive oh. game. So, yeah, I I could see either way. I don't know whether they should try it or not, but it's totally dependent, obviously, on how he feels over the next few weeks.
1: Okay. Number six in the National League will any team that's not currently in playoff position be in playoff position by the end of the season?
0: I wish I could say yes cuz yes is more fun, but I'm going to say no. I don't yeah. think so. I mean, the only question really is whether the Brewers can catch up with someone, whether it's the Cubs or maybe the Rockies in the wild card race unless you're a, a Marlins believer. So I just think the odds are against that happening.
1: Yeah, it's the Brewers are are the best bet both in the division to overturn a division lead and the wild mm-hmm. card, and they're not as good as the teams are chasing. So right. could happen, but I wouldn't bet on it. Yep. All right, Chris Sale back to the Red Sox. Chris Sale over under three hundred strikeouts.
0: I think he makes it. He's at what two sixty four now after yeah. his most recent double digit strikeout start, and he has averaged, I think. 10 strikeouts a game, like 9.8, I think, in his 27 starts so far this year. So, if he even gets on on pace for
1: five or six more starts, yeah,
0: right. And you know, I don't know, maybe they give him extra rest or take it easy with him or something as the playoffs approach. If Boston's not playing for anything, we're going to tell the
1: guy who cut up his team's uniforms (laughs) that that we want him to to take (laughs) it, right? That's going to go over well,
0: yeah, but. I mean, even if he gets four starts, he would be on pace at least to do it based on how he's pitched to this point this season. And it's kind of a cool number. It's a, it's a meaningful number that we don't see a lot anymore, even though strikeout rates have risen. Starters yeah. are not pitching as often or as long. So it has some cachet to it. So I think he'll want it and he will get it.
1: Yeah, I I went over this... Two years ago when Kershaw got there, that 300 strikeouts is like 50 home runs in like, it's one of those round numbers that feels a lot more common than it is. I think it's only been done like 30 times. And that's because strikeouts have, have gone up consistently on a per inning basis throughout Major League Baseball history. But the amount of innings for a starting pitcher. On average, has is sort of gone down, and then it's gone up, and then it's gone down again. And the Mm -hmm. those two lines have only intersected in a couple couple different places. So one of them was in like the Steve Carlton, Nolan Ryan era, where. Guys are striking out seven, eight guys per per nine innings. Sandy Koufax, but also throwing three hundred innings a year, and yeah. then, well, I guess Randy Johnson and Pedro Martinez were sort of that yeah. on their own, and then right. we're getting back they kind up to of
0: broke the scale. Yeah,
1: yeah, we're, we're getting back up to that point where guys like Sale and Kershaw can strike. They're striking out so many guys per inning that they can get there in two hundred and twenty innings. And I think mm-hmm. I almost considered putting the over under line at three ten or three fifteen. I think Sale's going to clear that without breaking a sweat. Agreed. All right. Will Joey Gallo finish the year with more home runs or more non-home run hits?
0: <laughs> this is a fun one because he's exactly fifty-fifty now, right? I mm-hmm. think he's got um, seventy-two. That might hits. have changed over the course oh, of
1: tonight's game, but possibly.
0: I, yeah, he he definitely entered the sure. game with uh, seventy-two hits and thirty-six home runs. I he did have a hit in Wednesday night's game, so he now has seventy-three hits and thirty-six home runs. So slight edge to the non-homer hits. I think I'll go with the non-homer hits. It would be a lot of fun if the home runs took it. And so I kind of want to choose that or I I want that to be the one that wins. But I think probably the odds are in favor of the non-homer hits.
1: Yeah, I think the odds are in favor of the non-homer hits too. But I'm going to go with the home runs for one specific reason. While you were talking, I tried to visualize Joey Gallo hitting a single. <laughs> and yeah. like I've got memories of probably a dozen different very specific Joey Gallo home runs in my head. I don't know what it's like. Like it's weird to imagine him doing that in the same yeah. way like I can't really envision someone throwing left-handed just because I'm right-handed so I can't like <laughs> like it's I don't know which order the body parts move. So it's <laughs> it's hard for me to imagine somebody throwing left-handed and it's it's just similarly difficult to visualize. So I'll go with the yeah. home runs.
0: Yeah, in my mind, a Joey Gallo single is like a hard line drive off the top of the wall (laughs) that is played really well by by the right fielder, and he holds Gallo to a single. Yeah. Okay, so we are halfway through the prop bets, or actually just slightly more than halfway. We will be right back with the rest after a quick word from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Ringer University, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Whether you're a Bruin, a Buckeye, or a Blue Devil, if you like college football, join the Ringers Ben Glixman, Roger Sherman, and Chris Vernon as they serve up insights, picks, and predictions week to week. Ringer University also features Teed Up, our college basketball podcast, where Mark Titus and Tate Frazier give their expert analysis and keep you up to date on the latest college hoops news. So subscribe and listen to Ringer University, available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right. Who will finish the season with a higher OPS? Speaking of large men who who hit a lot of home runs, Aaron Judge or Reese Hoskins?
0: Yeah. So Hoskins has a substantial lead now, right? Like three hundred points or something like that. Mm -hmm. Because obviously, Uh, about
1: two forty, I think.
0: Okay. So we know what Hoskins has done, and we know what Judge has done. Someone was just tweeting me about whether Judge's differential between his first half and second half is like the biggest ever. I'm planning to look into that because it almost has to be right among players who were like qualified players in each half It it's hard to have a more drastic difference in results than oh. going from a five plus win player to essentially a replacement level player thus far i don't know i i have a hard time <laughs> saying most ever
1: about anything there's a no, lot there's of always <laughs> yes think.
0: right yeah it's got to be up there but there's yeah. undoubtedly someone who's been even more extreme but yeah i mean The thing that gives me pause is that it seems like he may have some sort of injury issue going on. There was a recent report about him having to have therapy on his shoulder, and he says he's okay, but... Joe Girardi noted that he's the type of player who might play through an injury. It sounds like he might not be 100%, which would explain or partially explain what has happened to him since the beginning of the second half. And he did get a couple days off, and it's possible that that could help. And I would not be at all surprised if he bounced back and finished fairly strong. And the thing is that his results obviously are a lot less volatile than Hoskins. Exactly. Are now. I think
1: that's the whole game.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, Hoskins has what, like 80 plate appearances, something like yes. that. And they've been an incredible 80 plate appearances. But when he's, that's all yeah, you he's, have,
1: he's probably only about 40% of the way through his the season, total right. majorly player time, to- playing time he's going to have. Exactly. So, yeah.
0: yeah. And so all it takes is one not even extended slump and he'll take a huge hit. So and I I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a total flash in the pan or anything. But I'm gonna say that Judge takes this one.
1: Okay, I was originally gonna say that because, like you said, like the worst that can happen to Judge is he ends somewhere in the mid 900s mm-hmm. in terms of OPS. And in order to get there, like if we say just for for the sake of math that that Hoskins is is halfway through his season, essentially, he has to be like a mid 600s uh, OPS hitter to, to get down there. And I, yeah. you know, I, I think he's going to cool off. I wouldn't bet on him cooling off that much. Like he's still, that's still a pretty sizable buffer. Yeah, you make a good point. And also it's fun disagreeing with you. This is a new thing.
0: <laughs> no, this is great.
1: All right, uh, number 10, over under 15 teams at 500 or better. Or I'd say it's over 500 was, was the way I worded it, which given
0: right. the state of the A, a wild card. It matters, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so entering play on Wednesday, it was exactly 15-15, I think. So this is one of the tougher ones. I would say that probably the most likely team to flip would be the Marlins, who started Wednesday, or maybe finished Wednesday just a game over 500, I think. So I could certainly see them falling under. And, you know, teams like the Mariners, the Royals, who are hanging around right under, also could go over. But I think probably the Marlins flipping is the most likely outcome here. So I'm going to say under. I mean, maybe push is the most likely outcome. But I'll say under's more likely than over.
1: Yeah. Push does feel like maybe we should have have a you should be able to bet bet push. And well, well it's probably not the most likely, but it's in the middle of the, the bell mm-hmm. curve or whatever. Yeah, I think under. I think j- the Astros and Dodgers have and to a lesser extent the Nationals, the the Red Sox, the the Indians have, have sort of they've gobbled up so many wins that there just aren't that many to to go around for the other twenty five or you know, if yeah. you narrow it down to the Really, the Dodgers on their own are are screwing things up for a lot of teams. So, mm-hmm. and there, and I think we talked about this maybe when we had Neil on that there isn't a like a corresponding 105 loss team right yeah, now. So, right. yeah, I think I think we wind up with maybe 16 or 17 teams under 500.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm with you there.
1: All right. Number 11. Will Jerry DePoto make another trade? <laughs> and I'll, I'll say this the uh, August 31st waiver trade deadline is not actually a trade deadline. Right. You can still make trades after that. You just can't add those players to your playoff roster.
0: Yes. Unless he makes a trade on the day that we're publishing this podcast, that player will not be able to play for the Mariners. But unless
1: the Mariners starting pitching gets a lot better, that player
0: wouldn't be able to play for the Mariners in the playoffs anyway. (laughs) Yes, that is true. But can you imagine Jerry DePoto going more than a month without making a trade? I just can't fathom. I can't conceive of it. He's got to do something. And. We're counting any trade here, I suppose. So it could be like a lower level type thing, minor leaguer, changing teams. I mean, that's got to happen. Or even if he gets the opportunity to just shore up the rotation with someone who might make three or four starts and not even be eligible for the playoff roster. But I could certainly see him making that kind of move. So, yeah, I'm going to say that we have not heard the last of the song this season.
1: Yeah, there's there's some like really stupid chaste young for <laughs> I don't even know, like Andre's Blanco trade in the in the pipeline somewhere. Like yes. it's there's going to be at least one more and it's going to be really dumb.
0: So <laughs> I look forward to it.
1: All right. Who will have the better ERA by season's end, Corey Canable or Big Mike Bauman? Big Mike.
0: Big Mike is off to a fantastic start to his professional Unbelievable.
1: career. Unbelievable. He's he's the Orioles' best pitching prospect <laughs> since Mike Messina at this
0: point. <laughs> yeah. On Wednesday, he pitched, right? It was his ninth game, I think. Mm-hmm. And what is his ERA now? Like, 1. like
1: 1.34? I think it's one thirty four.
0: Yeah. He had a, another scoreless start on Wednesday. And... The thing here is that and canables at what like 1.31 right i believe it's so, somewhere
1: in the 1.3s i picked it was the the closest reliever to
0: yeah right you know. The thing here is that big Mike Bauman is pitching for the Aberdeen Ironbirds, which is a a short season team. So in theory, he only has like one start left unless they pump him up to a a higher level at the end of the year. I don't know whether they
1: do that. He might have two. They go through, I think, September 7th is their last game. So that would probably be another... Maybe a, a second trip through the rotation, uh, the mm. Pentagon. But, you know, I don't pretend to be an expert in the <laughs> uh the inner workings of the Baltimore Orioles low A affiliate.
0: Well, you should be because it concerns Big Mike Batman. <laughs> two starts kind of changes my answer, maybe. I I wanna say that he can do it. I wanna place my faith in Big Mike. And if he has two starts left, that means he probably has more innings left. It's probably about the same number of innings, right, as Canable has at this point in the season. What do you figure, around 10 or 12? Yeah, you know, something like that. Although the way that Big Mike is pitching, he just might go the distance both times. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to give a, a nice vote of confidence to Big Mike. I'm going to say he does it. And okay. I don't know. All it takes is like one lousy outing for a reliever to kind of blow up that ERA. So, yeah. I'll, I'll say Big Mike holds on to this thing. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I'm pretty much obligated to, <laughs> yeah. to bet on him, even if I didn't believe that he would do that. Alright. So, we got a, a seven-team jam for the really eight-team when you uh, when you wrote the Yankees into it. And yeah. uh, so, my question to you is, will there be a game 163?
0: I... Want to say yes. I recently was talking about five way tiebreaker scenarios with someone. And spoilers, there isn't a five way tiebreaker procedure in Major League Baseball. So if that were to happen, that would be crazy. But Major League Baseball would essentially have to invent a process for that. But
1: there's never even been a three way. Like for, you know, Jay Javi, bless his heart, spends the entire (laughs) month of September mapping out every single possible tiebreaker yes. scenario and it never happens
0: yeah team so. entropy yeah i and i mean these teams are so close that it seems almost improbable that it wouldn't happen that's probably not true though right the odds are probably against it happening i would guess
1: i have no idea i don't yeah. even know how it's to, be hard to, to calculate there's so many yeah. teams
0: involved and they're all so close and as we discussed so mediocre I'm going to say yeah. I'm going to say there will be a game 163. What the heck?
1: Oh, I don't think so. I think the only I think having a game 163 in a in a wild card race this weird would be too normal.
0: <laughs> yeah, that has been one of the weirder aspects of this is that like on a lot of days down the stretch here there have been Seven teams within like three games, but somehow none of them was tied, which I don't yeah. know. They're, they're all like all, they're half all tied game increments one and a half away from each other. The, yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, I'm coming down on the side of fun here, and for once, not being the statistically rigorous wet blanket.
1: Yeah, as if you know how to,
0: <laughs>
1: how to do the math with this. Yeah. All right, number fourteen, Paul Goldschmidt, which will be. Let's see how I word this. Which will be greater, Paul Goldschmidt's RBI total or Arizona's run differential?
0: Yeah. So Goldschmidt has 105, or at least did entering play on Wednesday. Arizona's run differential was plus 103. So, as always, this is extremely close. I don't know which to pick, but we know that the Diamondbacks are playing for something here. They can't afford to coast down the stretch. So, I would say they will be going for it. They will be trying to maximize their run differential, even if that's not exactly how they're thinking about it. So I'm going to say they will overtake Goldschmidt's RBI total, but it's so close. It's really too close to call.
1: I don't think they will. I think, I think he's got you know maybe a 15, 20 RBI month in him in hmm. September. I hope so. And I think if, I think if the, the, it's one of those things where if the Diamondbacks run differential goes up, it's probably going to be in large part because Goldschmidt's driving in a lot of runs. So, you know, I think, and there's, I mean, there's no guarantee. Like the only one of these numbers that's all but guaranteed to go up between now and, and the end of the season is Goldschmidt's RBI total. So like the Mm -hmm. Diamond, you know, there's nothing, it wouldn't be all that shocking at all if the Diamondbacks go 14 and 16 and are, uh, um and are a minus twelve or something like that in their their last thirty games uh if that's even how many games they have left i'm not doing this <laughs> math I'm not adding two numbers in my head
0: yeah all right i'm I'm kinda of pulling for the goldschmidt m v p case I think there are really several players in the National League who are about equally deserving of that award. But just because he's been so great for so long and has, I think, historically been overlooked, undervalued, I'm kind of hoping this is his season in the sun. Although really, you could say the same thing about Anthony Rendon, who Mm -hmm. might have the best statistical case of any player, but might possibly be obscured by some of his high profile teammates.
1: I was gonna say if before Harper got hurt, you could make yeah. legitimate MVP cases for probably at least four different nationals. So <laughs> yeah. I think if I had to vote I'd I'd go with Max Scherzer right now. Mm-hmm. Like if there's not a standout I mean, all these guys are standout performers, but if there's not like an eight or nine win position player performance out there, I'd you know, I'm kind of more inclined to support a pitcher for this. And I think mm-hmm. I'm one of those guys who who gets Sucked in by like you know specific big numbers, so I think Scherzer's been that. Although like the only reason that we're talking about Goldschmidt versus these half dozen Nationals is we're sort of tacitly acknowledging that you have to make the playoffs in order to mm-hmm. to get in. And like I don't know, Giancarlo stands doing pretty much exactly the 2006 Ryan Howard right now. Yeah, so. <laughs> Uh, the, like, this is something I feel like we're talking about him hitting home runs as if it's divorced from his value. Right. As if his, you know, slugging 900 down the stretch <laughs> doesn't make him the, the most valuable player in the, in the National League. So.
0: Yeah. No, you know, I, I mean, if they somehow snuck into the playoffs, he deserves it. I think I.
1: And they're I, only five and a half out now. Like, mm-hmm. they. I wrote they something, even get a couple games closer.
0: Yeah, this week I, I wrote about his streak, which I know you recently did too. We needed a second look at Stanton's hot streak just because it's lasted it's been, so long. it yeah, been going long, <laughs> yeah. long enough to do that. We wrote about Aaron Judge 13
1: times. In April yeah,
0: night. that's true. I found that over his crazy stretch since the start of July, he's produced of the Marlins wins above replacement, which is extraordinary compared to players on other contending teams. That's really hard to do in baseball over any kind of extended stretch. So if they were to make it, I mean, I think he would have the sexy numbers and the narrative and and would be a shoe-in almost, but yeah, they're, if, they're an outside shot.
1: If they make it, not only would that give him a narrative boost, it would mean that he continued to yes, right. hit 300, 450, <laughs> for yeah. the month of September. So yeah. you know, that, that I would have to imagine he'd be close to unanimous by that point. Mm-hmm. All right, last one. Will this year's World Series winner have won a title since the strike? And this is based on a, a conversation I had with Zachary Levine when he was in uh, former Houston Chronicle and baseball prospectus writer mm-hmm. um, when he was in in town a few weeks ago. Uh, there are a lot of you know the Yankees are probably going to make the playoffs. The Cubs, the the Red
0: Sox. Yeah, it's really two of the the likely division winners are teams that have won recently, the Red Sox and the Mm -hmm. Cubs. And then otherwise, it's just what Yankees, Diamondbacks, and I guess the Angels and the Royals in that AL wildcard mix. But that's about it, right? Most of the division winners have not had a title since the strike. And most of the wildcard contenders have not either. So, I think just based on on quantity here, certainly, I think the odds are in favor of the answer being no here. And I think the best teams too are in the haven't won a title since the strike column. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm going with that. We're gonna see a, a fresh winner here.
1: Yeah, I think the way we we framed it was when we were talking about this was back when the brewers were in first place. So we were talking about mm-hmm. first time winners. And that gets you the Nationals, the Astros, Mariners, the Mariners and Rangers. If if you want to go that deep into the wild card race, mm-hmm. and the Brewers obviously have never won a a title. I think that's that's interesting. But yeah, I mean, if one side gets you the Dodgers, the Astros, the Nationals, and Cleveland, and that's I know, that might be my the first four teams I pick off the board to mm-hmm. to win the World Series. Maybe Boston, depending on how they're pitching. I mean, Boston's essentially in a uh four way dead heat for second place but yeah i that's it, we're we're at a point right now where like if i gave you the dodgers and astros or dodgers and nationals against the field like i <laughs> yeah i'm you know i might pick the dodgers and and one other team
0: mhm yeah all right. So we've come to the end of the prop bets. I enjoy this. I would do this every episode if you had time to come up with. Oh, really? I thought you hated this. <laughs> no. You were... I, I, hate, I do hate predictions. It's true. Yeah. You were <laughs> like getting predictions out of you uh,
1: during last year's playoffs. I did that because, yeah. like, specifically because it made you uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. Well, playoff predictions are kind of in their own category of senselessness, right? Because no one knows anything. So if you ask me to make playoff predictions, which you probably will about a Month from now, oh yeah, <laughs> that you will be <laughs> that will be like pulling teeth. But I I like the regular season prep bets; these are fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're these are so and like nobody's asking you. I think part of it is like nobody's asking you uh, on a a radio hit with like Chiller and Booger on <laughs> you know on WIP to right. to say you know which will be greater, Paul Goldschmidt's RBIs or the or the Diamondbacks run differential. Yes, you know? so yeah, we're we're thinking about. Something that we think about every day, but in a, in a very, very slightly different way.
0: Mm All right. So we are going to do something that we have never done before in the history of this show. We're going to pre-record a podcast. That's not the first time we've done that, but we have Labor Day coming up. We want to get an episode up. So we're going to do a mailbag episode, the tried and true solution Mm -hmm. to having to pre-record a podcast. So you've already been soliciting some questions, but if you hear this, we can use more. Yeah. If you hear this right when it goes up, we'll be. Recording probably pretty soon after this is published, but if you hear it immediately, you can tweet questions at us, or you can email us at, what's the address?
1: Uh, RingerMLB at gmail.com. So this is, we actually, Mal and I actually did... Uh, a mailbag oh that's right before my time last summer yeah, yeah. um uh, we there's there's an a question that was left on the cutting room floor of which baseball player would you send back in time to kill hitler that i gave like a six or seven minute answer to and i still think about that question every day but
0: i remember your answer to a question about like your worst first dates or some some romantic foibles yeah that was
1: when it got no that <laughs> got that, that, that was like that was a panic meter <laughs> that yeah. i didn't realize oh, how much i was going to discover about myself (laughs) and you'll notice we haven't done that since either
0: so (laughs) that's right all right so we'll be back soon enough you've been listening to the ringer mlp show part of the ringer podcast network